They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. The 100th meeting of the Legion Clubhouse. So what do you think? We've made it to 100 episodes of this show. Oh, are we going? Of course. We're always going. Do you not know? Man, what a dork. Sorry, I'm I'm not a future people yet. Uh, Honestly, I'm glad we made it to 100 episodes. I am a little surprised that we made it to a hundred episodes. Why is that? I mean, I've I, and and no disrespect to other podcasts that have uh, cracked the Legion of Superheroes, but I a lot of them fade out fairly quickly. I've noticed. Yeah, and I think part of that is the fact that as you know, as we've mentioned episode over episode, the Legion gets very patchy, very spotty. And there are times when, you know, you think back and you remember, hey, this is the history of the Legion of Superheroes, but you don't realize how much of what you think you know is actually the next writer stitching together things. Well, so when we started with yeah. the adventure, you know, Adventure 247, oh yeah, we, we both knew that. We both read that story a number of times. We've read, you know, revamps of it and we've read it in three different continuities. But when you sit down and look at it and try to analyze it, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that we made it to 100 episodes, but I am surprised. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it is so much trying to stitch things together because it doesn't seem like we hit any real kind of form of trying to create a continuity until we've, the we've mid 70s. Bits of it. Early I mean, early to mid 70s is where we really start to see some continuity where yes, we we know the legion members, we know their names, we know when people join. Yeah, but it's not until, you know, until the and, and we talk about this quite a bit in, in the show that Marvel really kind of shook up how comic book publishing worked and really knocked DC off of the pedestal as the number one comics publisher. And for years had DC scrambling, trying to figure out, well, how do we mimic Marvel's success? And, you know, I, I don't think they ever found out that answer. But one of the things that we did see happen, you know, in, in the 1960s when Marvel was was starting to become a thing is we did start to see some ongoing continuity between uh, large story arcs or having little bits and pieces show up uh, spread throughout multiple issues across multiple places. Now, granted, we still can't get and can't agree on what the president of the United Planets looks like. <laughs> right. But, you know, we and, do start to see those things start to three different names at this point. Too. Yeah, but we do start to see some continuity starting to spread. And I think that that is something that is interesting um, to kind of see form from a comic historical perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. Where you just are like, oh, here's the moment where they really start to figure something out and start to figure out how they can bring a little bit more drama, how to bring a little bit more. And I think that's honestly, I think that's one of the things that Marvel does a lot better than than DC. And again, it depends on what period you're reading the comics and what your your viewpoint is. But, you know, Marvel has always been kind of, quote unquote, grounded in the real world uh, kind of thing with kind of real world storylines with, you know, things like the drugs uh, affecting their, uh, you know, one of their friends. Of course, then DC tried to do that with 
Speedy and Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, all along with Spider-Man, you have this hopeless teenager who is constantly broke, always trying to do the right thing, having all his, all of his life's woes come crashing down upon him. And from the beginning of Legion Superheroes, it's kind of like, we're going to go on some wacky adventures, kids. And so there's a real difference when you look at what, you know, what happens in Amazing Spider-Man compared to the Legion of Superheroes. Even even when you look at Superman or when you look at, you know, uh, Iron Man or something like that, it's always kind of been that that way. But it seems like once DC really started to examine what's going on with with Marvel, they start saying, well, maybe we can inject some humanity and some personality into these Legion members. And so we find out, you know, like, oh, my gosh, uh, here's this Legion members. Dad is is, you know, a a poor factory worker and and uh, gambles or whatever that he had going on. And he kind of lives, you know, his family kind of lives in a a lower class section of town. And so we, we have a better understanding of what makes this Legion member tick, or we start to get into, you know, a storyline that was started to be built up, but then dropped was with, um, uh, was it phantom girl where, uh, you know, it was like, uh, this whole thing with the, uh, they were wanting that secret formula or they were wanting into the United Planets or whatever that storyline was where it's just like, oh, you guys just don't understand what's going on with with my peoples compared to the rest of the United Planets. And there was a storyline that started to build and then just kind of got shelved. But we started to see a lot of those kinds of things happen. And I find that a lot more fascinating than the, well, we're going on another wacky adventure, kids, kind of stuff that we saw early on. And that's, you know, another thing is that, you know. From the very start, these are comics for kids, not comics for adults. Um, And we start to see by the mid 60s and the 70s when the audience starts to shift away from seven to 10 year olds to more mature people that we can start exploring more mature storylines. And I I really kind of dig that. I think that there were definitely attempts at continuity, but it was mostly individual writers. I mean, Mm -hmm. Nelson Bridwell's stories tend to be of a piece and Hamilton's stories have, you know, little threads of continuity. But the thing that's really difficult, especially in those early days, is DC firmly believed until about 1982 that the Legion was basically just a piece of Superman mythos. Right. No more important than a crypto story or, you know, Supergirl getting her run in adventure comics. And once the Legion becomes its own thing, and we're not actually quite there yet, but once the Legion becomes its own thing, it stays its own thing. Until about 86, you know, we we do get to a point again, the crisis wrecks everything. But right now, especially, it's interesting to see the book trying to grapple with things that other books won't get to for a few years. I've always said, where goes the Legion goes the rest of comics. I mean, the earliest days of the Legion, those 1961, 62, 63 things, those stories were, you know, before the Avengers before the fantastic four, or at least before the fantastic four became the fantastic four. And you do see a lot of the, the themes from those early Legion stories pop up again in justice league in teen Titans, you know, and right now we're at a point where it's 1979 or 1980. Yeah. Uh, the last episode we just did was 1979. Mm-hmm. And it's a story that's kind of dealing with what we're going to see in DC comics in 84, 85, 86. It's an intentional attempt to kind of age up the material. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really neat to see that happening. And honestly, you know, I think I've read 
most of these Legion stories multiple times, many of them dozens of times, but I've never sat down and read them in chronological order before to the point where, you know, even when I was doing uh, the hero histories of the Legion of Superheroes, what I was reading were the specific issues for Karate Kid or important issues for Monel. And I didn't read the entire Legion mythos starting in 1958, because why would I? But also because that's a whole, you know, a whole nother deal. Basically, this needed to be its own show if we were actually going to do this. And, you know, I don't remember who suggested it, but somebody suggested it jokingly. And then we started thinking about it. And you said, you know what? Why not? And then somebody said, hey, here's me paying for it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay. And we got a show. We've got an email from uh, Michael Taranji who uh, basically, you know, kickstarted this this project for us, this podcast for us by saying, you know, how much would it cost to do 10 episodes? And, you know, I'll fund that and then uh, we'll see how it goes from there. And he sent an email that says, congratulations. I know you particularly you don't particularly like to make a big deal about these milestones, but we both know that recording one 100 awesome episodes of a show is a rare feat in the world of podcasting. Both of you should pat yourselves on the backs for greatly exceeding my hopes for the show when I uh, funded the first few seasons. You can reveal that in the show. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know, because I just did it a few seconds ago. Yeah, I'll take the kudos, fine. too, even if all I did was pay you guys to produce a great show. The Legion of Superheroes was and is the reason I became a lifelong comic book fan, and it remains a major milestone in my life in terms of the pop culture that has entertained me for 50-plus years. I love that you and Matthew have taken a subject in which I thought I knew everything uh, there was to know and have been able to create a show with 100 episodes of stories and facts that go far beyond what I knew. It continues to be the show I look forward to the most across all of the podcasts I listen to. I can't say enough about the format and content of the show, so I'll stop there. Grife, it's good. Thank you all, and I hope it continues to number 200 and beyond. Long live the Legion, and most importantly, stay hydrated, J. Michael T. <laughs> so thank you for that. Yeah, so this really started, and maybe I will uh, clip... Matthew's first appearance in the major spoilers podcast mm-hmm. into the show, because at uh, one point uh, I traveled to Topeka and I sat down with Matthew and we did a whole thing about the Legion of superheroes and what was awesome about them in like at one of the first, like 10 like episodes episode of the major. Delta, I want to say it's episode four. Yeah. So it was in the, in the first 10 episodes of the major spoilers podcast. And ever since then, anytime something that has, popped up with the Legion of superheroes that always gives Matthew and I a time to geek out. Now, Matthew obviously comes from a older time period of the Legion, the Legion that we're reading right now. And my, my content is the Legion that comes post crisis, which again, we'll be getting to that in the very, in the very near future. And so, you know, we have that kind of touchstone that we can, that we can share our experiences with. And of course we have lived through some of this, uh, in, you know, in real time. And so, you know, it's fascinating to look and see what was going on historically with this, but we've always talked about it. And I had mentioned that, oh, it'd be great if we could do a Legion of superhero show and how great it would be, but we've got so many shows and we don't have the funding. And then like, as I said, J. Michael T said, well, how much? And I quoted him. He's like, yeah, let's, let's do this thing. So, uh, it's been really great to, to do this show. And it's sad to see that this show end right here. So thank you everybody. Have a good night. No, <laughs> just know. kidding. I've already got another 15 episodes prepped. Yeah. Mr. Man. Um, I think that that's, I think that that's what's really cool to kind of echoing what you said, Matthew is to kind of see this stuff play out and read the really good stuff along with the really, really bad stuff. And, Mm -hmm. 
you know, that's that's the thing when you have something that has to run what we've read right now, 200 issues featuring the Legion of Superheroes, not 200 uh, issues of the Legion of Superheroes, but 200 issues Mm -hmm. featuring the Legion of Superheroes. Well, 199 in one issue of Action Comics where President Kennedy showed up. But still. yeah, I mean, but it featured the Legion. So, you know, that that yeah. that counts. And so what's what's interesting is that when you do that stuff on a monthly basis or even in some cases, weekly basis, television is the same way. You're going to have some stuff that's really, really going to work well. And I think you're going to have some stuff that really, really kind of falls on its face. And, uh, you know, reading any kind of comic and it doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be Legion of superheroes. You could go and read Batman. You could go and read wonder woman. You could go and read the flash, uh, just uh, sticking with the DC comic side. And you're going to find stuff that really rocks. And then you're going to find stuff that says who in their right mind approved a lot of this stuff. So it is nice, as you said, Matthew, to kind of go through this in a chronological order and see the stuff that you may have missed while you were geeking out over earth war and then all of a sudden you have to get, uh, you know, Brainiac is, is in the loony bin, uh, kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of stuff is there. Uh, you know, the other thing that I, I really like and appreciate are the number of listeners that we have picked up along the way. Um, you know, obviously when we were first recording this, I, it was just like Matthew and I and J. Michael T. Those are the only people who are listening to this show. And four then we guys. get, yeah, yeah. Four guys and our moms. Uh, but then we have like, uh, Legion Omnicon who, who mm-hmm. pops up in our Twitter feed and a bunch of other people who have popped up in our Twitter feed, especially in the last year or so that comment and share additional information and, uh, share their, their take on things that we've been talking about in the show. So I really, really dig that. And I, and I'm glad that the Legion of superheroes, uh, channel in our discord server continues to mm-hmm. grow and has new people show up there all the time. So I really appreciate all the fans that have found us over the last, what's it been four years or so, uh, five years that we've been doing this show. Yeah. Four years. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I really appreciate that. So thank you guys for, for sticking with us for a hundred episodes. And hopefully like J. Michael T says, you guys will be around for 100 more when we hit issue or episode meeting number 200. <laughs> what year would that be? Well, that well four more years. I mean, another four years. So 2025, I'm thinking that we can get to 1994 and then be like zero hour. Bye everybody. <laughs> Just not, not do the next Legion. It's a new Legion. It's a new world. It's a new universe. I think we, I think we will continue to do the Legion as far as we can, including at some point, I have a feeling we will probably, probably not in the next 200 episodes, uh, or in the next 100 episodes. Sorry. Uh, but we will eventually loop back around to where we are doing, the Brian Michael Bendis Legion, uh, just like we did, you know, earlier two years ago when we were doing it on this show. Well, there is that seven year break, um, where, you know, the new 52 wrecked everything, but yeah, I think I could definitely see it. And I feel like, you know, a hundred, basically a hundred issues got us 21 years worth of real time Legion stories. And things are going to slow down a little bit because we're going to get to the point where there's a Legion issue or two, uh, every month. Yeah. Especially when get, yeah, when we get through, um, was it Legion of superheroes and Legion, uh, we'll do, right. you know, those are basically in a sequential order. They're numbered up in the corner. That was one of the things that I really appreciated that DC was doing at that time. Uh, you know, they did the same thing with Superman cause you had the Superman family of comics 
And they right. were putting the little Superman crest up in the corner and saying, hey, this is, you know, this is number one, even though this is issue, you know, action, action 275. And here's Supergirl 350. And it would have the number two in there. So you could know what order you were supposed to read these in. And Legion and Legion of Superheroes did that as well. So it was great for me whenever I was like bored. I was living in Atlanta and I was bored at the at uh, my job and I would go down to. Oh man, what was the name of that uh, comic book store? I want to say Gulliver's, but that's the one that we had here. But mm-hmm. um, it was this huge, massive bookstore down in Buckhead that also had the uh, comic book shop in there. And I would go through there, and I was like, "Oh, let me just buy a bunch of back issues and and read them," uh, you know, during my lunch hour or whatever at work. And I would just grab, you know, like you know, five or six copies of the Legion or Legion of Superheroes. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. I, I really enjoy this. And I would go back, you know, every couple of days and pick up another batch of the comics until I was caught up. And so that was that was really nice. I, I really like that about getting into the Legion that way. And it felt fresh and it felt new as opposed to, my God, you've got, you know, a whole history going back to 1958 of comics that you have to read and enjoy if you want to have any hope of understanding what's going on with the Legion. And, you know, when you jump onto that Legion Legionnaires run, uh, you don't really have to worry about that because uh, it is a reboot. And that is something that we're going to have to talk about when we get to to crisis is that, yeah. you know, well, what crisis comes out of zero hour in 94. Right. But, you yeah, know, when we get in, wrecks everything. yeah, the crisis really <laughs> wrecked a lot of things. Not I mean, in what crisis was trying to do was trying to streamline everything. And people are going to hear us talk about this again, but it really wrecked a couple of of key properties. One of them was Hawkman and the other one was the Legion of superheroes because when John Byrne jumped on and did his reboot of Superman, he basically said, you know, there was never a Superboy. Well, without a Superboy, you don't have the Legion of superheroes. Yep. And, and that really screwed things up for how do we do that continuity? And then when the, uh, when was it the, the Siegel or the Schuster, but maybe both of them estate uh, were suing DC comics it basically meant that they had to write Superboy out of history as well. And again, that screws up what you can do with, uh, with the Legion of Superheroes. That means it screws up what you can do with Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes. And so, you know, things get really kind of sticky in 86. And so I think as we get, you know, we're going to hit that in the next, what? Um, Probably next year. Episodes. Yeah. And within the next year. We will hit that crisis point and we'll jump into the five year later storyline. Mm-hmm. And and you're going to just see how complicated things get because they're trying to make everything super real and super gritty and dark. You know, Matthew's favorite things in the Legion. And then all of a it sudden, depends, you know, they honestly. and all of a sudden they zero hour reboot it and it, everything is fresh and shiny and new again. So it's going to be it's, the next the next hundred episodes are going to be really interesting, I think. Yeah, they spend about three years trying to find a way to continuity patch the Superboy issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does lead to a very, very good couple of issues of the Volume 3 Legion. Um, in fact, we're when we get not too far down the line, we're going to have two issues of Legion printed per month. But chronologically speaking, the way we're going to have to deal with this, we're going to have to deal with them in the order that they actually occur because once we get into the point where there's Legion of Superheroes and it, and Tales of the Legion of Superheroes, they're actually taking place at different points in time. Yeah. So we're not going to be doing, see, two month, two books that came out the same month aren't going to take place at the same time period. So uh, be ready for that. But 
yeah, then we had that, you know, about three years of let's try and fix Superboy. And then in 89, we have the forget it. We're just going to jettison the Superboy. And then in 94, we're like, well, heck, the whole universe is broken. Let's just kick everything, roll it down the hill and set it on fire. But And, and don't forget, we we have to cover um, uh, Science Police. That's Science! No, we don't. Yeah, we do. That's They're part of the Legion. They've been there yeah. since the beginning with their bubble helmets and everything. Well, uh, we'll see. Yeah, no, it's definitely definitely going to come happen. out until like 1999. I know, but That's I'm saying we have to cover that. But yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely hit uh, the five year later storyline before we hit issue 200, uh, episode 200 of this show. Mm, it's about ten years worth of Legion stories in the future. If you figure one issue per year, 120 issues divided by two, so it's going to be 60 episodes. Presuming there aren't any breaks. It may be more than a year, but no, I didn't say a year. Be by the time we hit episode two hundred, that's a hundred episodes. Sixty episodes, and divide by the carry the one, and say, yeah, we should. And if we don't, well, you can come back and you can point and laugh and say, Stephen, ha ha, you are wrong. No, we'll 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 do it. I I, I promise you that. <laughs> You're just gonna jump there, okay? Yeah. Episode two hundred is the beginning of the five year. No, 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 no. I said by the time by the time we hit two hundred, we will have we will have gone through all that stuff. That that's how that's how it works. We've we've okay. covered we've covered a hundred issues of Legion appearances. Remember that there was a six year gap between the first ten issues of the book because it was nineteen fifty eight, and by the time they had their own book, it was nineteen sixty two. I mean, there's a lot of gapping in there. But yeah, I know that's what collapses everything into one nice streamlined uh, show that, that we've been able to bring to you guys. Uh, every other week, pretty much. I mean, there have been times where we've had, uh, stuff abilities where, you know, things come up, life comes up and we're not stuff. able to get in and, and, uh, record episodes or release the episodes on time. Like we want to, uh, but we thank everybody for the support of that. And if you want to see us reach episode 200, then now is a fantastic time to sign up for our major spoilers, Patreon, which mm-hmm. f- helps fund this show. In addition to, you know, we haven't had private funding in a while, but, you know, your funding through our Patreon really helps. So what I'm going to do is, is just make a, 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 a plea to our listeners. If you haven't been to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash major spoilers, then please do so. Just take a moment and go over and check it out and maybe just sign up for the $5 a month membership or even the $2 a month membership. That's like paying 99 cents or so per episode of the Legion Clubhouse when it's released each month. $2 is... But, you know, great. And if we had everybody who is listening to the show right now pledge two dollars uh, a month, uh, something as little as that, uh, we'd be able to do we'd be able to do some really cool things, maybe even uh, up uh, the amount of shows that we release in uh, uh, any given month. So uh, that might happen. Uh, head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Uh, check it out. Even five dollars is the one that I think personally is the best value that you get uh, out of everything. Uh, and if you've got a, if you've got those couple of bucks, please take a moment and and think about becoming a major spoilers patron and continue to support the Legion Clubhouse. There are some other people that actually do a lot of things uh, behind the scenes on this show that we probably should give a shout out to. Obviously, J. Michael T. Uh, that we mentioned uh, a moment ago, but also Jason Inman, who many of you uh, may or may not know, he does the Geek History Lesson podcast. He uh, works uh, in Hollywood and has. Uh, done some very cool uh, television stuff. Uh, he uh, is working on a super cool project that we can't talk about yet because it hasn't been officially announced. 
by a certain uh, streaming network. Um, but yeah, but it's uh, but it's in the works. And as soon as they're ready to announce it, they will. He's been working on this for a couple of years now. And so I can't wait uh, for that to come out. But Jason has been doing a fantastic job of uh, creating our kind of Ted Knight ish voice that I wanted uh, in in this and doing all of the little synopses of what we're going to be talking about in each uh, issue of the Legion. And so uh, I really want to sh- shout out Jason Inman for uh, all the work that he does in this show as well. Uh, what else, Matthew? Do you have a do you have a favorite uh, moment in the show so far that we have that we have done? <laughs> I, I for me, I think it was probably during the the discussions of Tyrock mm. when we got that letter. Uh, Tyrock Johnson. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who who said you know Tyrock was important to me? Tyrock meant something to me. Mm-hmm. Seeing that representation because you know we were looking at it from the perspective of Tyrock is a little embarrassing. You know, and, you know, even the creator, you know, the, the guy who created the visual was like, I made him look goofy on purpose. And yet it's still, I mean, it still mattered. It was every character is somebody's favorite character. Right. And with a group like the Legion, it's really nice to have somebody be able to come out and say, you can call this person embarrassing as much as you want. It was very important to me. I really like that. I like that level of connection. I feel like that's kind of what the show is really about. Even when you have a moment where it's like, hey, Matter Eater Lad has just been drummed out of the team, isn't that great? I'm like, no, that's sad because now there's no Matter Eater Lad. Well, you know, he'll, this... he'll, he'll come back. He'll become the uh, the ice cream scooper at the uh, Legion Clubhouse. <sighs> I think have the I things... you how much I hate that? Well, no, but I'm sure you will. Okay. Uh, I think one of the things that I really liked in the early episodes were the interviews that we had. And I would really like to get back to doing interviews with people who are fans of the Legion of Superheroes or creators who have worked on Legion of Superheroes. Now, granted, we have hit many of them who are still alive already. You know, uh, we talked with uh, Otto Bender's biographer, which was uh, very, very cool. Um, you know, we did interviews with Chris Roberson and and others. And I, I'd like to do more of those in the near future. But that, again, takes a little time to organize and get things nailed down. And, you know, we all don't have as much free time as, as we used to, but uh, yeah, I would like to see some more of those interviews come back into this show in the future. What have you learned that you did not know about the pre-crisis Legion of superheroes from our first hundred episodes? I, I would think that, you know, there's a lot of things that I didn't, I didn't know. Um, you know, obviously the one that still, I think, irks a lot of our listeners are the names of the Legion of, of Superhero members. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, pretty much anything and everything where you, you know, you find out, you know, for example, just recently Block's origin or you find out, right. you know, uh, you know, why, why uh, Timberwolf looks so much like Wolverine. Uh, those kinds of little things, I think, are always kind of fascinating or you learn a little bit more about the history of particular characters uh, I think those are those are things that are all I'm being very you know generic here, but I think that mm-hmm. those things are always kind of fascinating when it's like, ah, my father loved me so much. He threw me in a microwave oven and that is how I became, you know, sun boy. It was actually it was a radioactive uh, reactor, but yeah, microwave, same yeah. thing. No, not even a little bit. Now, if you were if you had to choose between Phantom Girl and Shadow Lass. Would you be able to tell which is which? Well, obviously the creators can't because they can't uh, tell which uh, one they're going to put on the cover. But yes, so right. Phantom Girl 
from from uh, from the Phantom Art Zone Castle. land. Uh, she has right now, and and this is something too that that I think at first I was a little I don't want to say skeeved out about, uh, but it kind of uh, disturbed me greatly when they had the costume changes and they went mm-hmm. from you know their the unitar jumpsuit that everybody was all wearing with their logo on the on the chest to hey let's wear this bikini in space kind of stuff and i was like oh my gosh that's kind of a little extreme but at the same time it also helps solidify you know characters and their looks so for me when you think of phantom girl you're always thinking of the the white disco suit with the holes on the sides and the, and the pigtails and then when you're when you're thinking about um uh shadow lass you know, mm-hmm. she's the blue one in, in the very revealing, uh, bikini, uh, yeah, you know, pretty much naked all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, those kinds of things I think are kind of interesting when, when you're able to solidify who these characters are. That's why I think it's very easy for people to instantly identify, um, chameleon boy and brainiac five and bouncing boy. And it's maybe a little bit harder to differentiate between Monel and matter eater lad. Yeah, and I think that's also why we had, you know, we mocked them. But for a while during the John Fort days and going into the Kurt Swan, we had characters who had, you know, their specific haircuts. Mm-hmm. Monel had that weird greasy haircut for some reason, and it was to differentiate between him and Bouncing Boy. And what I really appreciate is the fact that this is a team that has a Star Boy and a Sun Boy and gave them completely different powers. Mm-hmm. But then somewhere along the line changed one of their powers completely. And now they're still completely different. And we never have learned exactly how that change took place. And we won't for about another eight years. But I really appreciate just the sheer number of characters that we've run into. Do you remember Rainbow Girl? Uh, no. No. Antenna Boy? No. Command Kid? No. I, um, I remember Control-Alt-Delete Kid. Dugong Boy? Dugon boy. I remember uh fall off arm boy. Arm fall. You do not remember arm <laughs> fall off boy. Yeah. He arm came fall in off boy came from 1994 and he we slammed his arm. He slams his arm on the table. Me, I'm arm fall off boy. Me join Legion. And they're like, no, no, no. Only one power per, per, uh, per and member. Legionnaire can rip their arm off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and we that already, and we already, yet. and we We're already blew up one of the triplicate girls. Oh, Steven. <laughs> oh, that is so wrong. I think that's one thing that did. I think that's one thing that when you look at uh, things that stuck, I mm-hmm. think that's the one that is, is still the one that is most amazing. Right. So we have uh, lightning lad uh, makes the ultimate sacrifice <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the end. This guy's dead. And then, you know, his sister comes in and says, you know, I will do the same thing. Let me tell you our origin story uh, for the third time. And, and then you're like, oh, this is really going to stick. They're really going to make sure that lightning lad is remembered as the one who committed the ultimate sacrifice and we're never going to see him again. And then they bring him back. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you get triplicate girl who comes in and, uh, you have her run into computer in 66 and you know, she gets, she gets shredded. She gets killed. And instead of just saying, well, uh, we'll just recombine and resplit, and we can, you know, split off another, just like a, a little uh, uh, bud. We'll just split off another, uh, you know, uh, one of version of ourselves. But they're they're like, no, we can't, we can't do that. We, she is she is permanently gone. 
And so then we end up with Triplicate Girl turning into Duo Damsel. And I think that's one of the, the things that I that I like the most. I mean, not the death of a character, but just mm-hmm. the fact that they were willing to say, yeah, somebody's going to die and we're going to make it stick and we're going to turn her into Duo Damsel and she's no longer going to be Triplicate Girl and we will never speak of the other one again. And and I just, well, I, I dig that. I, I really like that that's, that's what they did. Now, again, there's a difference of what, maybe three years or something between the death of lightning lad and the death of, um, of one of the triplicate girls. Yeah. About four, not quite 40 issues. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I dig that. And, uh, you know, we see some other things like, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, iron kid, Pharaoh lad, Pharaoh lad, <laughs> you know, we see his death, but I mean, he was barely around before they, they kicked him out. It's almost like we need, it's been 30 years since we've killed off a Legion member. We must have a sacrificial Legion member to come. And they're like, Oh, let's introduce you to Pharaoh lad. And then just kill him off within what, like five or six, uh, issues of his appearance. Um, I want, I can't remember where he, my, my brain says it's three forty six to three fifty seven, And I'm sure people are out there ready to, you know, correct me. But the thing about Pharaoh lad, remember, you know, as we discussed, uh, Jim shooter, sacrificed him because he was mad that he wasn't allowed to do what he wanted with the character. He wanted mm-hmm. Pharaoh lad to be African-American mm-hmm. and couldn't get away with it. Yeah. DC said no. And so he's like, well, might as well blow him up. Yeah. That was in 67 when he died. Pharaoh lad 67. Yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah, wasn't very long then. It was about a year. No, after, yeah. After, um, after triplicate girl. And then of course, the invisible kid who we just saw, uh, die recently. Ish. I mean, what, 72 again, we're reading, uh, two issues, a, an episode. <laughs> and so invisible for, kid died in Superboy and the Legion two, two Oh three, five, two Oh three and 74. Okay. Uh, so we're up to Legion of superheroes number two thirty five of five. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's fairly recent. It's been within the last, you know, uh, a little more issues. than a dozen, uh, episodes of the show, but I, I like that. I, I mean, I don't know. Invisible kid was never around when, you know, when you needed him, it's like, everyone's looking oh, around. Where's invisible kid. I don't know. He's not around. And you know, he was too busy, uh, going into the girl's locker room to say, Oh no, I'm here. Um, so it, he, he kind of makes sense to kind of get rid of him. Um, but you know, so many, so many of the things that they try to do with the Legion always seems to be undone. You know, Starboy gets kicked out of the Legion and then he's allowed back into the Legion and then he gets married to a dream girl uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it just seems like there's a, and especially when, uh, most recently when we were talking about, uh, Brainiac five and his mental breakdown, mm-hmm. um, it just seems like they're ready to backpedal so fast. Status quo has been King for a long time in comics though. And the fact that the Brainiac five plot line has stretched out over six issues is impressive because I mean, had this happened back in 68 or had this happened, you know, even during the Cockrum run, it probably would have lasted an issue or two. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing longer overarching plot lines for the last six issues of the show or six episodes of the show right now. I've been complaining about RJ brand going broke and how it's dumb mm-hmm. because they're, you know, they're putting it in there and they're trying to make it arc a little bit. And part of that is the fact that they have, you know, somebody who just came off of amazing Spider-Man. But also, I think that it's an attempt, a real attempt to make longer, more satisfying story changes. To get away from that status quo once in a while is good, but then it also does bring up the question of things like, 
you know, in the first probably 30 episodes, we went through four leaders. We've now had Lightning Lad as a leader for a year and a half of comics. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see him for probably another three years of comics, which is going to be several episodes of the show because the writer is concentrating so hard on these longer plot lines that it's almost like we're seeing the invention of decompression. Yeah. Because you have four issues that all take place back to back to back. Those stories all took place, but now, you know, you've only moved forward a month or two in Legion terms. So you have to take on something new and, you know, you do get to a point where actually right about now things really do start decompressing in a good way as far as the storylines that we see in the, you know, the kind of consequences of those storylines. Yeah. And, and as I was saying earlier, you know, taking that cue from Marvel and introducing some more personal uh, stories, I don't mind it when we have to take a break from the action and let's spend a little bit of time with, uh, mon and, um, uh, who is it? Uh, dark, <laughs> dark, dark night girl. Shadow laugh. <laughs> and you know, and shadow. their, and their romance. Uh, I don't, Who's I don't mind. I, I don't mind them, you know, spending some time covering that. I don't mind spending some time, people having a somewhat meaningful conversation as long as it adds to the story. And right. if that means you have to decompress some of the storytelling and you have to find out uh, a little bit more about, uh, element lad, or you have to find out a little bit more about chemical King. Um, well, he's already dead too, but you know, if you have to, you know, spend a little bit more time having these characters interact, I don't mind that when it comes to decompressed storytelling. And I know yeah. that that's something that drives you up the wall, uh, especially with Brian Michael Bendis and his ultimate Spider-Man run where, you know, uh, Stan Lee would take, you know, the entire clone saga and smash it into like two issues. And Brian Michael mm -hmm. Bendis spreads that out over 32 issues. It's not because he's trying to, you know, pad his, pad his, uh, you know, bank account or anything, but it's because there are other moments that we need to put in there that you couldn't put in uh, sometimes in the original stories. I, that's a thinking argument for a different show, but I do agree with you that as you know, these storylines have matured, we've gone from, you know, that Superboy story, the initial story of the Legion was three teenagers pranking another teenager. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, 15, 20 pages. And we've gotten to a point now where we're seeing, you know, we're seeing marriages, we're seeing long-term relationships. We're we're seeing, Legionnaires who dislike each other. We're seeing Tyrock every 15 episodes or so without fail. And what we're really getting down to is a Legion that is starting to feel more like the future of the eighties, which is good and bad in a lot of ways, because, you know, the future of the 1950s and the early sixties was entirely everything is happy dappy and we're best friends and everybody loves everybody and only evil people do bad things. That's fine. I mean, I love these stories and I feel like some of those stories and you know, the nine planets ice cream parlor <laughs> are really, really good, but you also do get into a point where things are more complex. Now, you know, lightning lad gives an order and Timberwolf bites his head off because I'm a loner. Yeah. A rebel Dottie. You can't stop me. Don't even try. One time, 23 of us split a bottle of Manischewitz and went to bed without brushing our teeth. You know, those interpersonal moments really do deepen, not necessarily a maturity, but kind of, you know, 
they they push these stories away from juvenilia into something that feels more well and accurate, I th- that feels more, you know, realistic. Yeah, and that goes with what I was saying that, you know, as they've moved out of that uh, 7 to 10 year old uh, comic book reading range, they've moved yeah. into, you know, uh, kids yeah, reading comics are now the teenagers. And so we need to, uh, you know, up our characters in the story and have them have more meaningful relationships with one another. I mean, we have what Saturn girl and lightning ladder ma- uh, married duo damsel mm-hmm. and bouncing boy are married. Uh, as I mentioned, star boy and dream girl uh, are, um, dating serious relationship. I don't remember if they're married or not at this point. Um, no, they're not married. Okay. And I think that's it. They as don't far actually as, get married. Oh, that's too bad. Thanks for spoiling yeah. that for me. Jerk. Um, I want to <laughs> see some more Brainiac five and Supergirl macking on each other. Um, you know, those kinds of things. It happens for a minute. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get there. Uh, Those kind of things happen. But I think as, as I was, as I was saying about what you said, we have to age up our audience. So we have to age up our stories. And I think by the time we, we start examining what's going on with, uh, the five year gap or the five year later storyline, we really start to get into, Hey, all of our readers are now, you know, 30 something, 30 somethings. Now let's really make this dark and miserable for, for everyone. Well, you know, that's going to happen. And again, the Legion did it in 1989. The entire comics industry by 1994 and 95 had followed suit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's fun to look at the stories that we're seeing out of the Legion now. We talked about that Earth War story being that big five-parter. Yeah. Big five-parters were the, the whole deal. They were the thing after the Legion started it. Now, did they invent it? Certainly not. But... You know, the Earth War storyline and the storyline that comes in, um, I can't remember the one before, but it was there and it was totally awesome. Uh, Somebody will correct me. When you look at those and then you look at what happens at Marvel in 1982, 83, 84, what happens at DC, when we start seeing things like, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths or Secret Wars, or we start seeing the invention of the limited series, which isn't too far off or may have just happened at the point in time that these comics are coming out, it's because those five issue arcs that we've seen in, in Legion and other places are really successful. So, mm-hmm. you know, as we go forward into our second 200, wait, no, our second hundred second, second uh, into our second centennial as, as we move into episode one Oh one and beyond, we are going to see these things and we're going to be like, Hey, isn't this just like that thing? And then we're going to realize this is five years before that thing ever happened. Yeah. And that's going to happen more and more. And then everything's going to implode. But who, who is the worst? Who's the worst villain here? The is worst it, villain? The, is it more Drew or is it um, uh, Starfinger? Uh, of those two, more Drew. Because I'm, I'm really just at this point by the 70s, and especially with Earth War, you really realize that more Drew? Really? Seriously? This guy's a lame. Mordrew has never, ever really, really held up to the giant buildup that he got in his first appearance. And part of that is the way he's been used, but part of that is just the fact that when you introduce someone as the most terrible threat ever, you can't just have them get beaten and come back a year later and get beaten again. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the problem of comics. You can create these characters who are, you know, unbeatable dynamos, but then you're going to have to beat them when they're the villains. Yeah. So, and that's why I think that fatal five still, I think are going to end up being my favorite villains. 
Fatal Five are very good because they actually can turn on each other and they mm-hmm. can stab each other in the back. And for me, um, partly I think it's because one of the first Legion stories I ever read was that damn tabloid. But for me, the quintessential Legion bad guy is always the time trapper. Yeah, I like him too. He would be a the future. He would be a very you know, he would be number two definitely in that. Oh, yeah. uh, when you look at it, I actually just um, recently, and then number three, the number three villains, of course, are the fans. <laughs> no, the number three <laughs> villain is Mort Weisinger. Um, I recently read uh, an arc of Black Hammer. Oh yeah, yeah. This loving Legion tribute, and it it got in all of the beats. The Quantum League. Yeah, uh, it was Black Hammer Quantum Era. But one of the things that they had was this time traveling villain from the future in a robe. And I'm like, see, he gets it. Mm -hmm. You can't have the Legion without the Time Trapper floating around at the end of time. Now, of course, the Time Trapper analog turned out to be Colonel Weird, having finally turned the the corner into it in complete madness, but. You know, it, it, it was nice. And, you know, when you look at, I'm a big fan of, uh, Legion pastiches and Legion, you know, kind of analogs. I really appreciate the fact that you really do get a lot of early Legion, you know, uh, the goofy lad and your arm fall off boy and fortress lad, but you also do get a lot of stories that reference the period we're in right now, the seventies mm-hmm. Legion where everybody's half naked and it's groovy and you know the characters that people consider quote unquote embarrassing are mostly phased out your block your dawnstar your wildfire are here instead of moderator well, lad and bouncing and, boy but and a lot of that is because the people who are in charge now this is what they grew up with this is yep. what this is what we complain about when we talk about you know the jeff johns or we talk about jeff johns um yeah, or is, jeff johns yeah, we're Jeff Johns is that, you know, everything revolves around the heroes that he loved growing up. And that's, that's right now. That's this stuff. And, and so that's probably why we see these characters sticking around for as long as they have, or being uh, elevated into positions that they have is because the creators today, even, even creators like Mark Wade, like Gail Simone, um, these are people that remember these characters and want to make them, you know, something different and interesting. And, you know, it's it's not for nothing that the five-year gap Legion takes the characters from this era out of play and goes back. I mean, they kill Block, they cut off Dawnstar's wings, they mess with, you know, Wildfire's face, and they do all these things because they're trying to recapture something that came before. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, you know, right now we are at the, we're at the point where we're not trying to recapture an old Legion yet. And I really appreciate that part. I, I appreciate the fact that the book has good or bad. I mean, we have moments like Questar. Remember Questar? Yeah, I remember Questar. I don't Questar. actually have any powers. Yeah, Questar, eh, kind of a schmuck. But you have the stories that have lasted and stuck in people's brains. So when a Jeff Johns or a Brian Bendis takes over the book, what's the first thing they do? They riff on the names. They joke about silly powers. They have moments like Fruit Boy. Do you remember Fruit Boy? I don't remember had, Fruit Boy, but is he the Fruit one that Boy was had always the power to ripen fruit? Wasn't he the one that was always like trying to uh, steal the hostess fruit cakes, and that always caused Superman and Batman all sorts of problems? No, 
no, I think you're 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 thinking of something different. Mm. Also, you're confusing ads for the comic books. No, so they have I, Superman and Batman in there. I know how how comics work, man. I think you may want to continue reading the comicsology issue so you don't get confused by the ads anymore. Because, yeah, that's a thing. Those are sometimes the best part of the comics. They are honestly. <laughs> And you know, when it comes to the Legion, the fascinating stuff for me is reading the back matter mm-hmm. and, you know, Hey, this is uh, Dave Cockrum talking. I did this and that, or, you know, the little column at the end where Bob, the answer man is like, Hey, con- matter eater lad comes from planet Bismol. See if you can figure that joke out, sucker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's part for me, at least of the experience of trying to read these books is getting copies of the issue that have everything that have the letter columns the inside covers the ads the hostess ads the charles atlas thing Mm -hmm. that really creepy guy who wants to teach me kung fu and the death touch the dimbak yeah that's what i want out of my comics well i am very much looking forward to the next hundred episodes of the legion clubhouse and hopefully dear listener you are as well so we're going to wrap it up there uh, thank you again for everybody who's stuck around. And if you're a new listener, hello, welcome. Uh, if you are a patron who is already supporting us, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're not yet a patron, you can become one now. We even have a yearly membership. So you just you know sign up once a year and it's taken care of. Uh, but uh, you can find out more about that again at patreon.com slash major spoilers. So uh, until our next meeting, uh, this meeting of the Legion Clubhouse is adjourned. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Stephen Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Stephen Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Stephen at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. I'm Brian. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers. And we will go into detail about the topics we discuss. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. In this episode... We interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast to bring you this special feature presentation. Okay, we're going to take a break from our regular panel this week and kind of bring in a mystery guest. So, mystery guest, tell us, what do you do? I read stuff. And where are we located? At this moment, we are at Huntoon and Gage in Topeka, Kansas, at lovely, fabulous gatekeeper hobbies asking that musical question. And remember, if you come in every Sunday, you get my full guarantee. Any comic you buy, if it gets torn in half, you get to keep both halves. Excellent. And the all-important question, do you bag and board or you just leave them on the floor? All of the above. I bag everything. The books that I consider special or the books that cost me a little more, I will bag and board. And then I just leave them on the floor. It's taken just like me, man after my own heart. And the biggest important question uh, this week, mystery guest, who is your favorite Legion of Superheroes member? Block. 
Ah, so listeners, if you figured this out already, we're talking with none other than Matthew Peterson, writer extraordinaire at the Majorspoilers.com website, and the person behind all of those hero histories that everyone loves. Directly behind, actually. I'm, I'm standing to the left of Invisible Kid, if you look real close. Yeah, he's being very quiet today, thank goodness. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Legion of Superheroes. And the Legion of Superheroes has gone through a lot of changes, and they're so complex. If anyone's read the hero histories that we've been doing on the Legion of Superheroes, you know that we just won't be able to cover everything in 35, 40 minutes. So we're going to take a broad view of this uh, right now and kind of talk about some things that Matthew and I think about the Legion of Superheroes, and uh, then we'll get in the future get in more in depth on specific characters or specific arcs or specific events that shape the Legion of Superheroes history. Now, I've known Matthew for a long time. I think I met him, I think the day that I went up to tour university, went way back in the uh, late 80s, and you were the first person that I met. And the first day of the first class of our first college experience, we all walked into introduction to broadcasting together and we looked around and went, God, these guys are creepy looking. Yeah. And Matt with his big fedora and cheesy grin uh, is enough to scare anybody. But one of the things that always surprised me, and I was just moderately into comics at that time, but Matthew had amassed a huge collection of comics. And the ones that he kept trying to push off on me were Legion of Superheroes. And at the time, If we look at the Legion of Superheroes, they went through starting back in the Silver Age, and that group of of Legion just essentially grew older. And so by the time Matthew was trying to force these down upon me, uh, they were actually quite old. And I just couldn't get into the fact that here's a bunch of old people having these very angsty experiences uh, everywhere they went. And so I kind of classify the Legion in three different groups. We've got the Silver Age Legion, which, you know, I think are kind of mean. If you think about it, I mean, here you've got these guys playing tricks on one another that were very mean-spirited. You've got this one issue where Jimmy Olsen, his girlfriend, dumps him. And so three of the Legion of Superheroes girls come from the future, and they're all fawning all over him. Oh, Jimmy Olsen, you're so great. And then at the end of the issue, at the end of the issue they're back in their secret walled-off fortress, soundproof, uh, listening-proof, everything-proof. And they're like, oh, ha, ha, how would anyone think that we would be in love with Jimmy Olsen? Well, to some degree, you have to take that back to everything that was in comics at the time in the 1958 to 1964 period. It was all DC and it was all Superman fooling Lois with his identity and going, oh, ha ha, what a silly female. And Batman trying to trick his villains into, you know, or saying your name backwards. Uh, that would be Recklich Nivets, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I can't say mine or else I'll go back to the fifth dimension. But the part of that cruelty was part of... Comics at the time were for kids, and the whole point was nobody knows that I'm secretly Superman. Ah, ha, ha, you're all idiots. Right. And, uh, in fact, that's where we first encounter the Legion of Superheroes is in uh, Superboy, right? Adventure Comics number 247, where the Superboy uh, stories used to run. Uh, I think it was April of 58, give or take. And so essentially the story was, and it was kind of in a way retold, not the exact same story, but it was kind of retold in um, Superman, the adventure, the animated series of Superman where uh, Superman's just your Superboy or Tom Welling Prime or Tom however Welling. you want to say it. Uh, is, Please don't is, sue is, us, DC. <laughs> it, or actually the Schuster estate, don't sue us. Thank you. Uh, you know, he's bemoaning, oh, I'm so alone. I'm so alone. Nobody gets me. Oh, I've got these superpowers. How I wish – I would meet other people. <laughs> Part of the cruelty that you talk about is there, though, too, because at the beginning, 
the story starts with Cosmic Boy and Lightning Boy, who later became Lightning Lad, which is a much better name. Don't even get me started on Livewire. But Cosmic Boy and Lightning Boy and Saturn Girl, they play these immense Shreks, these jokes on Superboy to make him think that he's failing, that he's not good enough for their amazing Legion. And then at the end, there's the big reveal of, oh, yeah, you were our inspiration all along. Sorry to have you know messed with you like that. And I'm thinking we're we're just really happy that Mon Pa Kent gave him some patience to not just punch them all in the face and leave a fine red mist in their wake. Well, I think and we kind of have to watch what Superboy wishes for because, you know, later on he wishes that, oh, I wish I had a brother or somebody that I could share my superpowers <laughs> with. And lo and behold, mon crashes to Earth and we get this great fabulous story that's kind of like a, a bad Twilight Zone episode yep. where at first he's like, oh, great, everything's wonderful. And it's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> This You're guy, taking all my stuff. It's it's kind of like the uh, the cousin. Uh, what was the cousin on uh, cousin, Brady Bunch? Cousin Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, he shows up and starts doing all the chores for everybody. And suddenly, hey, wait a minute! I don't like this guy anymore. Let's see what happens if I expose him to kryptonite. <laughs> oh, wait a minute! He's not allergic to kryptonite. He's allergic to lead. Oh, this isn't my cousin after all. This is Monel. Let's send him off to the Phantom Zone for a hundred million years. Uh, so we kind of have to watch what Superboy wishes for. And the thing about that that's awesome to me is that uh, who honestly hasn't want to stick their siblings in a room with some kryptonite and just point and laugh as they slowly fall to the floor? <laughs> really? But so the big question then is at what point – I mean Legion at one point was probably very popular, Legion of Superheroes. But at some point it started to fall more towards the hardcore readership to where it's like, OK, let's let these guys age naturally – and I think that's where you kind of introduced me to Legion and what was going on during this history. I mean, this is the same Legion. We haven't had a reboot yet right. at this point. But it, it was almost like a, a soft edit or, or a, a test run for a reboot because Legion Volume 3 ended on basically at the end of what they called the Magic Wars. And really, that changed everything about the Legion. They'd always been the shiny future, the heavy technology. And the next issue that came out opened with a page that said five years later. So it was it was not only the precursor of the reboot, but it was the precursor of 52's one year later storyline. And they introduced... 52 or in Infinite Crisis or... Well, I, well, not 52, I guess. 52 filled in the missing year, but that okay. jump forward sure. in DC's future. And then we, I mean, they open with characters that we barely recognize. And they're not only going by their real names, which most of them are in-jokes. If you ever noticed Ultra Boy, who was swallowed by a whale, his name is Joe Na. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're going by their real names, and none of them have costumes. And it's this very dark, dystopian future. And each character, as they're reintroduced, you go, hey, wait, that's Chameleon Boy, or that's Colossal Boy. And the thing that really sells it and, you know, hurts to me, and my wife mocks me because when I was doing the first, actually the second hero history, I got to the point that the, tr the real turning point for me is when Roxas the Butcher murders Block. Mm. And when I was doing that sequence and writing the sequence and editing the panels, my wife was mocking me for tearing up as Block is being killed. And I'm like, they blew his head off, honey. <laughs> And that's in the current that's in the current Legion of Superheroes run right. that that we see right now. But at some point we had this big DC event called Zero Hour, where essentially was it the Time Trapper and a bunch of either and, and Wave Rider and, and of course this great monarch character who's not Hank Hall but was the Atom, but no wait, he's Hank Hall again. Yeah. Not Hank Hall or, or Hawk. 
uh, is restarting the universe. And, and that kind of rippled forward through time until we got to Legion of Superheroes and we had this series reboot in the uh, mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get to what you'll see on the forums a lot or on the articles a lot when we're talking about Legion of Superheroes, the uh, Archie Legion. And it's called the Archie Legion. It didn't actually start out that way. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the art was still kind of following up from the series before. But then we have these very younger looking, I wouldn't say teenagers, I say always mid-20s. And this is the Legion that I actually got into because here we had a group of people that are starting to build and starting to get to to know one another. I like the art immensely. And we also had two Legion titles out at the same time. We had Legion of Superheroes, and then we had Legion. And then, of course, there was, I think, Science Police was another spinoff that they had. But the cool thing about this was you had to read both issues in order to get the complete story. And we started getting into some great characters like Gates, uh, like uh, Lightning uh, Livewire when he got his name change. And XS. Don't forget XS. She came from that iteration as well. Yeah, which tied into uh, Bart Allen with what he was doing with – with Impulse and the Flash line, and flat, in fact, the future Flash and past Flash. It tied a lot into uh, these Legionnaires at that time got thrown back in time, or some of them did for uh, Final Night. Mm-hmm. Or was it the Final Night? Was that the. It was Final Night. It was a long arc. The Le- I think about half the Legion was back for the better part of two years worth of issues. Mm-hmm. And they were part of the Final Night crossover, and they were all present when Superman turned into a disco electric uh, bondage Superman there for a while, whatever was going on there. But the thing about that version of the Legion that started off really well was they retold the old stories with a new twist and a more modern twist. Rather than a bunch of kids being allowed to run rampant, the United Planets formed the Legion to corral all these superpowered teens, and I say teens because to me – in that version, Invisible Kid looked like he was 14, 15. And, and what was cool about it, was he the one that had the, the Invincible logo on his, on his jacket long before? He had, it looked like the Image logo to me, and I thought it was such a bold move for DC to make to go, not only are we not afraid of our competitor, we're going to stick it on his chest. <laughs> but, I mean, to that, you know, to that end, they started retelling the stories. And one of their major missteps to me was when they started retelling stories like The Sun Eater, they started telling it very closely to the pre-crisis continuity, but then there'd be a little twist at the end. So then you'd have to think, well, this is supposed to be less complicated, but now I have two versions of the same story with the same characters that only diverge slightly at the end. So now if you're an old school Legion fan, and God help me, I am, (laughs) you've got two versions of events to remember. So it's actually more complicated than less complicated. And The other major misstep that I think they did was that they took away one of the major elements of that original Legion was everybody has something to contribute. You take Tenzel Kim, Matter Eater Lad, and they sidetracked him as being the cook and the Legion commissary. And they sidetracked Bouncing Boy, Chuck Tane, who to me is is one of the defining figures of the Legion. It's the fat kid who makes good and stands next to Mon-El and Tom Welling, and people don't laugh and say, what's he doing there? They say, that's Bouncing Boy. He's an honored Legionnaire. Mm -hmm. So they, to me, that was a misstep. But they retold the stories and they did it in a manner to make it more to what was going on in the times in the 90s, but also in the future. What, what I think is interesting about this time period is if you kind of think about what a lot of people on some other message boards, and we wrote a story about this up on Major Spoilers not too long ago. Um, one of the things was, well, shouldn't DC have an ultimate version of, of DC, an ultimate DC universe? Well, this Archie Legion is, if you think about it, kind of like 
the ultimate legion if we were to put them into an ultimate universe. I, I would agree with that, especially uh, on the streamlining of the costumes. If you look at the legion's costumes during that area were a uniform. Mm-hmm. They had the same you know, basic costume, and each one got to uh, basically, I said basically five times in seven sentences. I must be vamping. Now, each one got to customize their uniform and make it a little bit different. And that actually came from the pre-crisis Legion when they had the SW6 clone teenage mutant ninja Legion. And now I'm just, I'm confusing myself. He's even throwing me off, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So, I mean, this is how deep that the Legion, how deep it goes into. Well, and, you know, we talk about there, to me, there are three basic Legions. There's the the original pre-crisis Legion. Right. But if you break that down, there are about six different versions of that Legion. There's the, the Adventure Comics then there's the Action Comics Legion, where it became really popular. Mm-hmm. Then in their own title. And then there's, you know, the Levitz uh, and uh, Giffen reboot period right in there, which mm-hmm. was really popular. Then there's the post-five-year Gap Legion. So, I mean, if you really break it down, there are many different takes on the characters and many different takes even before they did the reboot on the way the Legion works. And so that kind of brings us up to where we are now with the current incarnation or as Matthew and probably a lot of other people have named it, the WKRP Legion, which is the Wade Kirkson reboot period. Is that what it stands for? The Wade Kitson reboot period, also known as the three boot, where they've taken it once again and they've they've taken aspects of the characters, both the pre-crisis and post-crisis or post-zero hour, I guess I should say, Legion, and combined them into something that once again is the future of the time in which it came from. And I know that doesn't make sense, but back when the Legion was in the, you know, the fifties and everything was bright and shiny, you had a bright and shiny Legion future. And then in the seventies, when things were a little darker, you had a dark, but still bright and shiny Legion future. And as it goes along, the book tries to be more contemporary by saying, this is what might happen a thousand years from now. And they have right now, the Legion in the current incarnation is not so much a team as it is a youth movement where all the young people are allowed to call themselves Legionnaires and I believe in the first issue, they said that the team motto was eat it, grandpa. <laughs> well, one of the things that I'm, I'm not really sure what's really different about this Legion is the take on the characters. For example, Colossal Boy is not really somebody who's human size that can grow to purport, you know, huge proportions. He's a huge person that can shrink down to normal size. Right. And then you've got uh, Triplicate Girl who is – or triad, or whatever that they're calling her in this boot. She's triplicate girl here. So she actually comes from a planet where she's cloned herself, where she's able to uh, make copies of herself millions of times over to repopulate the planet. And here she was sent to Earth, or um, the Legion headquarters, Mm -hmm. just three of her. And then there's this great story in there where she goes back to her home world, and they're kind of like, no, you're not really part of us anymore. You don't belong here. You don't belong with the Legion. It's it's certainly a different take. Uh, In fact... uh, You've got, um, I think, who is it? Uh, not Invisible Girl. Is that who we have in this boot? No, no. Uh, the one that, that uh, made contact with um, with Monel in the Phantom Zone was that Phantom, Phantom Girl. Girl. Okay. One of the things that I really like is that in the Age of Irony, they've gone back to names like Triplicate Girl and mm-hmm. Phantom Girl, and they're wearing them these these very Silver Age names and just taking them and making them feel up to date because of the fact that they're so retro but phantom girl in one issue actually she has historically been from an alternate dimension which is spelled bgtzl which i always pronounce bug tussle (laughs) which is where granny clampett was from for those listening (laughs) but she uh 
lives in both dimensions. And at one point, right, she's right. having a conversation. An invisible kid thinks she's talking to him. Right. But she's actually talking to her boyfriend at home in Bug Tussle. And she's, you know, in between, and she doesn't really fit in in either world because her attention is constantly split between both dimensions. Yeah, and I thought that was a great issue, too, because she's just jumping back and forth. And and at one point, you know, in the – I guess in the Archie Legion, you start to see there's some identity issues with some of these characters that they're really having a hard time coping. I mean, you've got Gates, and then you've got the what, the female version of Block. Is that what we had in, in that <laughs> Bricka. version? Bricka. And it was just very weird that – you know, here are these people that are, are certainly a team, but they are having their own issues as well. And now we're seeing that again in this three boot in the WKRP Legion with some of these exact same stories. The big question is, who are the characters that we haven't seen? Now, certainly we've gotten a hint of Matter Eater Lad in one of the current uh, storylines. The Matter Eater Lad moment to me, and it will always be the definition of the difference between the original Legion and the new three boot, is the moment where someone sticks a finger in Matter Eater Lad's face. And he tells you, do it again, and I'll bite it off. And uh, two issues later, down the line, the character does the same thing. Matter Eater Lad calmly bites his finger off, spits his out, and says, I told you I'd do that. It's kind of a more sophisticated take. It still takes the ridiculousness of eats matter in all of its forms, but ties it to a character who is so capable to, I mean, arrogant almost, mm-hmm. to where you look at you know, matter eating as not just a power that's something he could be useful, but a power that's actually cool. When he does that to somebody, you know, you, you look at that and you think that's almost Matter Eater Lad's Wolverine moment. Yeah. And well, I guess what's really interesting is, you know, I don't know the quote unquote real names of all of these characters. I know them as, you know, Saturn Girl, uh, Matter Eater Lad, all these other things. So when he's introduced as essentially this I don't know, businessman, right. lawmaker a, guy. He's a lawyer, yeah. Arbitrator Tenzel Kim. Yeah, and so I'm not, you know, Tenzel Kim. It doesn't strike anything in my mind because I'm not a huge know-everything reader about that. But then all of a sudden they go to the planet and he's in that grain room and they just dump all the grain on him and you see this hand sticking out one issue. Oh, well, so much for him. And then the next issue he's exiting the chamber and he's <laughs> going burp and, you know, he doesn't got a full gut and everything. I think that's part of the, uh, I guess, part of the interesting aspect of of this series is rediscovering who all of these characters are again. And that's one of the things that I'm really enjoying about the way they're they're laying out the new series is they started issue one with our point of view character with Invisible Kid or Lyle. Lyle Norg, Mm -hmm. Eyewitness News. He just sounds like a newscaster to me. But Lyle comes in and then we're introduced to the Legion through his perception. But we get little bits and pieces of the way the characters perceive themselves. And I've um, the moment with the real defining moment to me for Ultra Boy, for instance, we see him flying around and punching things. He goes on, in one issue on a date with Triplicate Girl, mm. and she's trying to figure him out. And he's finally like, look, I'm not that complicated. Here's the deal. I'm really, really strong. I can hit anything I want, and it would take me about half an hour to ruin you for all other men. <laughs> and she says, that's a great line. And Ultra Boy just says, it's not a line. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's the moment where you go, okay, this is Ultra Boy, and they've got him down. They, right. uh, Christopher Bird always said Ultra Boy is Han Solo with superhuman strength. They nailed it right there with that one moment. And I think that the new Legion really is distilling. It's kind of like the ultimate Legion. To, you know, the, the new version distills right. everything that we liked about the, the previous 47 years of Legion and takes all the good parts and puts them right up front where you want. But are they telling – they're not uh, – from what I've been reading, and I've been reading it since it, the issues came out, 
it doesn't seem like they're retelling any old stories from from the past. Or are they? And I just don't see it. I don't think so. I mean, it's it's an entirely new take. And I think they may have, like I said, they may have looked at it from the perspective of, well, now we have two Sun Eater stories and we mm-hmm. have two Time Trapper stories and two Mordrew fights that go on forever. In some cases, three with the Mordrew situation. But when you break it down, the new version of the Legion is trying to take the characters and tell entirely new stories. And to me, that may be part of the reason why they're not as beloved yet. I mean, they are they are definitely new. But their stories, to some degree, the Legion fans, we've been conditioned to go, oh, wait, it's a reboot again. Let's see how they're going to tell the story this time. Well, and so this kind of brings into a, a thing is you being a Legion fan from forever and me being a Legion fan from the 90s. Right. Uh, now suddenly we had this excellent what I think is probably one of the best stories of the year with JLA and JSA with the lightning saga. And it's really built as a mystery where here all of a sudden here are the, I would say the older silver age Legion are back and it's actually pulling off of a story that you would have had to have read when lightning lad died from the silver age and how they brought him back and how somebody was going to have to die. And they kind of retell that story in modern times and then into the pages of Superman, suddenly, instead of the Legion coming from the future to the past, and in fact, Karate Kid sticking around, now we have Superman going to the future, and it's the same Legion that he grew up with when, as, a, as Tom Welling. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, he is confronted with a red sun. He has no powers and all this thing that's going on. How does that fit into what's going on? See, and that's the thing. They, during the Lightning Saga, they touched on – an untold Legion story. I think Starboy or Starman, forgive me. I always call him Starboy because it's <laughs> – but Starman – Well, in fact, isn't Starman – he's from he's from Kingdom – Co- or not Kingdom Come, but he's from a different uh, universe altogether. Starboy. The Starboy or who was in the pre-Crisis Legion, according to Alex Ross, grew up and ended up in the, King, the Kingdom Come storyline. Right. That is the same star man who came back in time to join the JSA. So this is actually the pre-crisis Tom Callor star boy as an adult. But he referenced a story called the Legion of Three Worlds. Mm. Now, if you look at it from his Legion, the original Legion, and if you look at the reboot Legion, he referenced XS at one point, Mm -hmm. which means that either his world had an XS or he interacted with the post-reboot kinetics, no, excuse me, continuity with XS – and if we take into account that there's now the three-boot Legion, but here's the thing. The Legion that Kara Zor-El, the current Supergirl, interacted with right. is not the same Legion that Cal is talking to and going forward yeah. in the action comics. Yeah. Now, I think it, the simple answer is probably going to be 52 Earths, pick your favorite. Right, right. That's what I was thinking. Multiverse is the answer. I had always said to me that maybe the Silver Age Legion was the future of Earth 2, even though the time frame is off and – if you take into account their first appearance was in 1958, right. that is technically before the Earth-1, Earth-2 concept showed up. So who's to say that you know, Kal-El wasn't going forward into the future of Earth-2 or Earth-9 or mm-hmm. Earth-6.75392? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it's fascinating to me to look at this Legion in action comics. It's a wonderful story, but if you look at it, 
It's scary. It, it, it's scary, and it has to take off from a point in time before the last time we saw the pre-crisis legion. Right. It has to be a divergence of that original legion. So technically, this is legion 3.5 or 1.1, perhaps. Marty, you can't go back in time. You're going to create two alternate timelines. It's your kids, Marty. we got to help your kids. Ah, oh, Admiral Kirk. <laughs> You There's, don't want to give me the Genesis device. <laughs> Okie doke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's an old taxi it, reference for those of you. Anyway. It, uh, it was the 70s, kids. <laughs> Things were different then. Uphill both ways. So what's going to happen? Are, are we going to end up with your beloved Silver Age Legion back? We or, or are we going to end up with WKRP Legion? Or are we going to come up with a fourth reboot to the series after – the end of Final Crisis. Well, now that you mention it, I don't know if you're reading a little comic called Legion of Superheroes in the 31st Century. Technically, we have a fourth reboot, the cartoon continuity appearing in comic book form, but mm-hmm. that may make it too complicated. What I think we will see, and what I would like to see, is I would like to see the Legion of Three Worlds story and see what it means. And if it means that my Legion the old Legion with, you know, Mon-El, and you have to say it right, because Mon-El, much like Scott Shaw, has to be said as though there's an exclamation point at the end. Mon-El! Mon-El! Not to be confused with Valor. Right. But it, well, in 1996, when Valor became Mon-El, I walked around the house saying, Mon-El, for a week, and my <laughs> wife hated me. But with Mon-El and Block and Matter Eater Lad as a costumed member of the Legion who saved the universe single-handedly, no fewer than three times... <laughs> But Check out the Hero Histories for the inside story on that. Published every Sunday night or whenever I get to them. But the <laughs> you can take that Legion and you can have my Legion and you can have the, the reboot Legion. What some would – I'll say Archie Legion, but I think that's a little derivative. And I think the only reason why they call it Archie is because they have that youthful look, the smooth lines. You don't see right. all the artistic detail. And also because Dragon Mage looked like Jughead for about six <laughs> issues. He didn't wear the crown, but I'm telling you, you go look side by side. But in any case, you can have your Legion that you loved when you right, were younger, right. my Legion, and you can have the three-boot Legion, and you can take your chocolate and your peanut butter, and you can have three great tastes that taste weird together. But I, what I would ideally like to see is at least an explanation, ne- not even necessarily an ongoing series, but maybe a capstone to Kal-El's adventures with that original Legion. Yeah. Even if it's the last Legion story. One of the things that I'm liking about Countdown is when you go to a different Earth, now that we have the multi-Earth, the multiverse back, when you go to a different Earth, on the cover they're putting a little globe symbol with what Earth you're going to. I would really, really like to see, as confused as I was as a kid when I was introduced to the concept of the multiverse, going, huh, what? If they would just put that little symbol on the front to say, hey, now you're in Earth or now you're in Universe 1 where the current – Three boot WKRP Legion is, mm-hmm. or now you're in Earth 27, where uh, or Earth 2, where the Silver Age Legion was, or Earth 27, where maybe uh, Archie Legion was. I think that would be great, although it would be very confusing. It would be one of those things that they say is always the worst part of the Legion is the the sheer continuity involved. Mm-hmm. But in Infinite Crisis, they did establish on panel that the reboot Legion existed on Earth 247 Mm. from Adventure Comics 247. The moment, just for one panel, they go, okay, you guys like this series? Okay, we'll pretend it really happened. And Shikari flies into panel and says, oh, I finally found you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we go back to the past, and it's just one of like, here's your bone, Legion fans. Now go away. 
Okay, so as you can tell, the Legion is so in-depth. And, and really, I would really suggest if you want to kind of get into who are the Legion, what they're about, check out the hero histories that we've been writing or that Matthew's been writing up on uh, Majorspoilers.com. It really fills in a lot of the backstory, and I think it will give you a good start into doing it. Now, that brings up the next question, Matthew. Mm-hmm. There are several collections of Legion stories. You've got the uh, color-bound, these archive editions that only feature like maybe three to six issues a piece. I think that's probably where you're referencing a lot of your stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you have these showcase editions. There's only one out. It's black and white. It's 500 pages, though. Mm-hmm. But it contains the same information as these other collected versions. Which one should should readers go for? I would definitely start with the showcase version because when I really started getting into the Legion, it was right about the time of the Great Darkness saga. But one of the things that DC was doing in the 80s was Adventure Comics – was existing as a reprint comic in a digest size of old Legion stories. And you get 10 or 12 at a time, and you could just read these you know, at an immense clip, and you could just ingest tons of Legion minutiae all at once. And then if you get to the point where you go, I really want to read these in color, and I have $70 that I just, you yeah. know, it's burning a hole in my pants, you can buy the archive editions. And I would like to correct you. I have four archive editions. Oh, okay. I, I'm just in love with the Showcase Presents, even though it's black and white. Yeah. It just gives you a really quick, here's everything you need to know. It's the story. It's the art minus color. Right. And really, unless you want to know that uh, Chameleon, or not Chameleon Boy, that Brainiac is green and Chameleon is orange and they have different colored suits, you're not really missing out on anything. And some of the, I mean, some of the original stories, if you look at them, and you'll, I mentioned this in the Brainiac 5 storyline, They've been recolored when they're reprinted anyway. Mm -hmm. There's one sequence from Adventure number 247. I've seen it five times in five different reprints. In four of them, there's a character colored in a purple jumpsuit and green face as Brainiac 5. But if you go to the original, that character is a standard pink pink orange skin with brown hair. And I'm thinking somebody went back and was trying to do a little bit of retcon work of their own. So the color really isn't as important as just sitting down and saying, okay, I'm a kid and it's 1957. What do I want to read? Yeah. So beyond block, who do you think is probably the best Legion member out there? It's a tie. And you're not going to be surprised when I say a tie between Tenzel Kem, the mighty matter eater lad. And I believe his, his full name, uh, Bouncing Boy would be, oh, my God, I've forgotten Bouncing. No, I really did not forget his name. Anyway, Bouncing Boy and Matter Eater Lad. For me, they really define what the Legion is about because you have the most powerful people, four, five, six of the most powerful people in any universe. You have Monel, who's more powerful than Superman. You have... You have Tom Welling and his cousin, uh, Laura Vandevoort. You have (laughs) Element Lad who can turn one element into any other element. You have these characters with titanic powers, and they stand side by side with Matter Eater Lad and Bouncing Boy. And they say, you know, these people, these are our comrades. These are our friends. They are equally heroic. Everybody in those Legion stories has something to contribute. Even when Element Lad turns the Time Trapper ship into Peppermint Candy, you know, kids, yeah. and yeah, and you can see, you know, little Matter Eater Boy going up and just going to town on that. Matter Eater Lad is saving the day because that ship could have destroyed the universe. Who, who are the big villains that, that new readers might want to look out for? I, I'm most familiar with the Fatal Five right. uh, because those are the ones that seem to go after the Archie Legion again and again and again. Yep. But we've mentioned Time Trapper before, right. and you've also mentioned Mordru, uh, the wizard, right? right. Mordru is a huge threat. I don't know if we're going to see Mordru because Mordru was very 1970s with wings on his hat and big purple pants. 
Uh, the Time Trapper, you'll see him. He's usually a guy wearing a purple bed sheet. And he's a Durlin, right? Uh, depends on who you believe. In some continuities, he's a Durlin. At one point, he was a controller. At one point, he was founding Legion member Cosmic Boy. Hmm, okay. The, the Time Trapper's very nature is to be a time anomaly. Uh, I don't believe we ever did find out who the reboot version of the Time Trapper was. But aside from the Fatal Five, you'll also see the Legion of Super Villains appear, the LSV, mm-hmm. or as they call them in the cartoon, the Lightspeed Vanguard. The, the LSV is always fascinating because they'll have counterparts like Lightning Lord, who is Lightning Lad's older brother, or Cosmic Now, this, now these were the ones that were in the, um, the Superman-Batman series, right? The exactly. ones that came back from the, from the future that essentially brainwashed Superman. and The adult Legion of Supervillains were Cosmic King, Saturn Queen, and Lightning Lord, mm-hmm. and they came back in time. They actually were also the founders of the Legion of Supervillains. If, if you saw the beginning of the Volume 5 when I was talking about Karate Kid's death, right, right. they basically targeted, each targeted a Legionnaire. And each member of the Legion of Supervillains was kind of a counterpart at that time to an existing member of the Legion. I'm so confused. There's too much information. So That's why the hero histories are there. Exactly. And if you're really bored, come by Gatekeeper Hobbies, Huntoon Engage, Topeka where we promise you Dion won't be buying any more X-Factor Volume 1. <laughs> what are some specials going on here at the store? Right now, um, like I say, if you – I know we've just replenished our trade paperback stock. We're trying to get in stock on um, all of the important trade paperbacks, your Crisis on Infinite Earths, your Watchmen, going back to Infinite Crisis, even things like Identity Crisis, and maybe even some books that don't have Crisis in the title. Yeah, for example, I'm picking up the uh, the definitive uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil today. Exactly. Ooh. And if you come in, we we have an extensive back issue bin, which is alphabetized and mostly uh, fulfilled with my knowledge of things. So and I got to tell you, if you are looking for a specific issue, come in when Matthew's working, because <laughs> whenever I'm trying to fill in my back issue of Legion or Flash, he's like, "Oh yeah, you're talking about this issue." Da-da-da-da-da-da. Here it is. You need Adventure three thirteen. But just please don't ask me if I have the one where Batman fights the Joker. <laughs> I, I call that the B section, and it's right over there between the A and yeah, the C. Yeah, Batman and Matthew just for some reason don't uh, don't it, align for some reason. It's not that I hate the man. He's, he's it, it's it's just I have a friend who, if you tell her a movie is wonderful, she will immediately say she doesn't want to see it ah, because you it's ever read the uh, what is it Diesel Sweethearts or whatever it is. The I don't believe so. You got There's a character that's just just you anti whatever is popular <laughs> well the thing with batman is not that i don't like him but if you tell me batman is wonderful because he has no superpowers i will i will write you a five page essay on what constitutes a superpower because i can tell you right now as a man in his 30s the stuff that he does you, you don't do if you're just joe schmucko who's been working behind a desk and if i had the ability to write unlimited checks i too could be the batman i'd call jack lalan and i'd call the guy who does the liposuction <laughs> i'd buy myself a batmobile and a helmet and i'd be out there on the streets fighting crime and or going to jail and you'd be uh, buying the indoor gym from chuck norris there you go all right so some couple of news items that we had up on the uh, major spoilers website uh, the biggest one is probably well there's two big ones uh uh, Indiana Jones getting released a little bit earlier than anticipated by making a bow at the, at the Cannes Film Festival, which brings another question. We've got five great movies coming out this summer, almost back to back to back. We've got Iron Man. We've got Dark Knight. We've got Wanted, X-Files, and The Hulk, and Indiana Jones. Six movies, right? right? Wanted is the Angelina Jolie based on the, uh, on the comic book. 
of these, Matthew, what, what do you think is the one that you're most looking forward to and what's going to be the most popular one this summer? I'm most looking forward to Iron Man because I am an old school, and I know that will surprise many of you who've read my reviews of recent Iron Man and Avengers comics, but he's he's the one who really resonates for me from when I was a kid. Uh, Wanted, to me, is a wonderful dark story, and I really don't know how well it's going to translate, but I'm looking forward to Iron Man. I, I want to see Indiana Jones in that vague sense of, is it Indiana Jones and the Temple of Depends? <laughs> because, come on, Harrison Ford is like six. Well, but they are aging the story in real time. It's been 20 years since the last Indiana Jones movie. He's now 20 years older, and it's in the 1950s, and we've got aliens and crystal skulls and all these cool things. I don't want to spoil it all for everyone, but, you know, uh, the, what, go, what's go. What's the name of the site again? Yeah, yeah, Majorspoilers.com. Okay, the other story is we've been running these uh, new ads that Marvel has been sending out. We've been posting the images of who do you trust? And it shows all of our... Skrullapalooza! Yeah, or as we like to call it, Skrullapalooza. Now, the big question is, who's a Skrull? Who's not a Skrull? On my list of who is a Skrull or who should be... This is my list of who should be a Skrull. Carol Danvers, Ms. Ms. Marvel, Marvel right? should be a Skrull. Okay, I agree. Okay. Um, what about I, Captain Marvel? Marvel is not a Skrull, but I think Marvel is a Skrull experiment. Oh, okay. I think he is a clone of the original Marvel made by scrolls who is absolutely not a scroll tony stark because it's too easy to explain away yeah you know in fact last was it last summer or two summers ago right in the middle of uh, the civil war or when the uh, i guess when electra was discovered to be a scroll she's a scroll Electro, scroll. <laughs> when it was discovered she was a scroll, everybody said, wait, wait, uh, maybe if you put Tony Stark as a scroll, that explains the whole Civil War and it explains the whole split between everybody. But Casada was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to make it that easy. And I, I, one of the things that Joe has repeatedly said online, and granted, when Joe says things online, it may be real, it may be a giant swerve, but he has said repeatedly it would be too easy to make Tony be a scroll. And I agree with that for one reason. They're writing him as ultra future brain, the guy who sees five steps down the line. And mm-hmm. what I think is going to happen, ideally, if I were writing it, what would happen would be that Tony saw this coming and started acting squirrely himself to either draw out the real conspiracy or to act goofy enough that the other conspirators didn't know whether he was one of them or not. Because mm-hmm. one, of, one, of the, one of the tenets of a good infiltration is each cell only knows what it needs to know. So if you have, you know, we, we know Elektra's a Skrull, and we've seen Skrull Thor and Skrull Ossus fighting the Avengers. And thank you, Jason, for Skrull Ossus, <laughs> yes. by the way. That's almost as cool as Skrullapalooza. So we know that they are. And the reveal with Carol Danvers would make more sense because Carol's been acting screwy since the beginning of the Ms. Marvel series. She jumps back and forth. She's either a Skrull or she's bipolar. And one of the, one of the other, something's got to be done. Rapid fire. Wolverine. <laughs> yes, Skrull. Captain America. Not a scroll. Um, Luke Cage. Sweet Christmas. Not a scroll. Uh, Iron Man. Not Iron Man. Yeah, we said Iron Man. Iron Man, not a scroll. Iron Fist. Not a scroll. I think that's about uh, all the. Uh, I think there was a Hercules. Oh, yeah, Hercules. Hercules may be a scroll. Hawkeye. Hawkeye is a scroll. What about some villains? Any villains that might pop up as scrolls? Well, uh, Super Scroll. Spider-Man. Not a scroll. Mary Jane. Is a scroll. You think she's a scroll? You know who else is a scroll? Mephisto. You think they're both scrolls? I I really thought I was driving over to the shop today. Because we'll forget it tomorrow and it'll be. Yeah. I I really think, you know, that'd be kind of an out is if Mary Jane was a scroll all this time. 
if she was really if she was a scroll from like the point that she came back from Europe in Amazing Spider-Man like 99, that would be awesome. If they said she was a scroll 5 minutes ago, that would be terrible. J. Jonah Jameson. Not a scroll, but he is a creep. Aunt May. Yes, scroll. You don't come back from death 57 times that frail without being a scroll. All right, and that's where we're going to end it this time. We'll be checking in with Matthew every so often to find out what's going on in the world of comics and Legion of Superheroes. We now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast already in progress. Different. Yeah, true. Brian, what was that other question you were going to bring up of uh, for the question of the of the week that you had earlier? The one that I told you about, what town? Yeah. Oh, uh, we were talking about what city, what fictional DC city, because Marvel is tends to be set in the real world or uh, mm-hmm. sort of in sure. the real world. What fictional DC city would you want to live in and why? You know, I always thought that Gotham City would be a cool city Scary. to live in until Scary. I realized it was in New Jersey. And then I said, no. Actually, I think it's in well, New York. I think it's in New York is, is where it's said. I, I think both Metropolis and Gotham City are, are the technically same, yeah, New York. Yeah, they're the same city, No, I, no actually, Metropolis is in Jersey, I think. I mean, one of the others in, instead of New Jersey because mm-hmm. they're across the river from one another. I always thought Gotham would You're be kidding. a – You're kidding. Yeah, is no, that, really, is seriously. The new, is that the new thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, 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 I always thought, you know, they used to say that – you know, New York City from this street to this street would be considered Gotham City. From this street to this street would be uh, Metropolis. But then you go and you read a couple issues and you find out that, oh, yeah, they're across the river is where Metropolis is. And it's actually located in like New Jersey. or Maybe it's Gotham. One of those two is in New Jersey. Well, and uh, I think that's kind of – but I think the cities were originally both conceived as New York. It's sort of like in the uh, – sure. Uh, what is it? Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. There's the elevator train system. It's, right. You know, the Gotham City of that movie is basically Chicago. Right. Exactly. Just from the look of it. Right. Um, and the but, fact that they shot there. But Right. But it doesn't make it any less New York. Sure. In the original uh, sense of it. Yeah. I thought living in Gotham City would be the coolest. But then I was like, scary, crime ridden, depressing. And I wouldn't want to live in Metropolis because that's just the opposite of that. I think if I were to live anywhere, would be either Keystone City or Central City, the home yeah. of the Flash. And both of those are like located, you know, just a couple hours away from where we're at. Essentially, Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri. Although, if you look at the official map, they're located uh, several miles north of there. Right. But I always thought the idea of a of a Keystone City, especially the home of Jay Garrick, uh, was I don't know. It seems more homey. Wh- which one's the one that uh, Green Lantern obliterated? That would be or that got obliterated and yeah, he yeah, recreated be, by uh, killing the corpse. Not, not That's Coast, Coast City, City isn't it? Coast City, yeah. Uh, Coast, I would, yeah. I would, I would want to live there prior to that happening. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't mind living in there during Keystone. the Sinestro Corps War, really, because you know uh, the Sinestro Corps is coming to destroy Coast City again and and really just destroy Hal Jordan's mind and and so all the Green Lanterns get on the horn and they're like, you know, Coast City residents, please evacuate the city. We're going to do everything that we can to save you. And in just these real powerful frames, what do all the residents of Coast City do? They start finding all these uh, uh, cellophane, green cellophane, and putting it in their windows and lighting it up, green lights up to show support for Green uh, Lantern. You're reading cool. these pages and you're just like, oh, my God, this is like a powerful moment yeah. in the story. And you're like almost tears in your eyes of here's what people are we're, – we're behind you 100%. But I still think Keystone City would be the place I would, I yeah. would be in. What about you, Rodrigo? Um. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm there's I'm, Opal City, home of uh, Green Arrow, right? San Diego, which was fell into the ocean, home of Aquaman, right? Um, Bloodhaven, which is where uh, Nightwing 
hangs yeah. out, which I think would probably be the New Jersey to Batman's yes. uh, yeah. New York. Yeah. But I would not want to live there. I think, honestly, uh, probably Metropolis. Um, it would be like a, an exciting town to live in, especially if you consider that I probably technically live in Smallville. True. Uh, but technically, again, if you go back and look, years ago, Matthew told me that, uh, you know, uh, Wilson was actually Wilson. supposed to be, according to the old DC map, was supposed to be uh, where, where Smallville, Smallville was. was. But if you look at the modern map, it's actually Wichita. Uh, oh, I thought it was. I thought it was north, just north of Wichita. I always uh, thought it would be too, but according to the current DC atlas, Wichita, Kansas, Smallville. That's mm-hmm. well. Well, that's Brian, why, what about you? That's why all the kids have such hip fashions. Well, it, well, one Way of the things. Way to go, Daddy O. Yeah, one of the things. Let's too, go though, get them malted. Smallville, the TV show. Doesn't he get on a motorcycle, drive out of Smallville, and there's Metropolis yeah. right there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't make any sense either. You know, it's well, supposed like to be in Metropolis in Kansas, Kansas City, City, which again doesn't make sense. But yeah. well, I don't know enough about the DC universe. Probably, I mean, you got Gotham. I don't think that'd be the place to be because if Gotham was a happy, shiny place, there wouldn't be a Batman. So, you know, it, it's going to be pretty rough town to live in. Uh, Metropolis, I guess, because that's the one I know the most about. But I think um, not much happens in keystone or central city i don't know well maybe i can make a recommendation for you you might want to live in uh, opal city the home of the green arrow which is up in like the seattle area mm-hmm. that might be fun or star city at one point was and i forget where star city was at but essentially the home of where wonder woman hung her crown for quite a while can i live in the watchtower that would be uh, in well on the moon on the moon yeah on or moon. orbiting around Earth that would actually be kind of cool yeah which one is it though because in- currently in the current uh, situation they don't have the orbiting well depends on which issue you're reading uh, just JLA has an orbiting watchtower but there's also a watchtower still on the moon oh. well, what what city does that groovy uh, original Green Lantern live in with the purple cape and purple red cape, shirt red sweater Gotham, Gotham City really oh, does he? nice. Yeah. You, yeah, Rodrigo makes fun of him. I think that's a really cool. <laughs> There's design. nothing green a, in his outfit. It's like a Christmas tree. He's like the Blue Raja <laughs> from uh, Mystery Man. Um, but here's a question that we might want to put up in the forums: If you were a superhero, which city would you protect? And it would have to be a forums because if you just made it a poll, sure, yeah, you, know, you couldn't many. have every city in there. Well, I think it. I mean, it would depend on your sense of duty. But I think you'd have to go to the most populated place or the yeah. place, uh, you know. So if you had a, if just let's take modern day, if you were a superhero, Brian, and you suddenly discovered you had super strength, you weren't married, you were twenty years younger, which would put you still at forty five. In, in, <laughs> oh. in, in a diaper, <laughs> I'm a super strong baby. <laughs> you're twenty years younger. What city would you just move to and start fighting crime? Well, I think I think New York City or Los Angeles, probably New York, would be the easiest thing because you could be anonymous. I think it's easier to lose yourself. And I think they do that, I think, with Marvel, um, things like Daredevil and, and you know, Spider-Man. I think they talk about it. It's, more, it's easier to be anonymous. Um, you could probably do more good. Uh, there's probably going to be more stuff happening there than any place else. So I, I think the first thought would be to go to the most populous city. I will take in vulnerability and I will move to San Francisco for 400, Alex. Yes. Um, I will take super speed and I will move to Las Vegas. Really? Why Las Vegas? You know, it just seems dirty. There's probably a lot of crime to clean up. There's there. actually a lot of crime. If and you go off a, the strip, it becomes a very scary place. It's a city that understands publicity. So they would be hmm. like, boom, 
Green Means Go, which would be my superhero name. <laughs> Green <laughs> Means Go. Speed. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Because um, Rodrigo. Uh, there you go. Uh, hey. But you should live in San Diego. There you uh, go. That, and that, that could be it. Um, but they'd be like, hey, what if, uh, can can we get you to say, you know, whatever happens in Las Vegas stays in Vegas, unless I catch up to it, and then I'd have my own commercials after that. Yeah, but come on, New York is would the you go, would you go into center. That's true. You would be bigger. Would you go into being the superhero to be the publicity and the fame and fortune that goes with it? I, actually, if I was actually going to be a superhero... Um, I would be so incredibly paranoid. I would wear a full body outfit so that nobody could and probably try to find some way. Hopefully my powers would accommodate for this or I would have to find some way to mask my voice, leave no DNA trail behind because I would be so paranoid. So no, actually, I would probably be more of a Batman type guy, although not nearly as cool as Batman because who can be right (laughs) Um, and I would just be and I wouldn't even expose my uh, manly chin. I would just, you know, Ladies, be totally Rodrigo in the shadow. Majorspoilers.com. That's 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 it. You know, the, my my secret identity is available. Yeah, Brian, but he, what about you? Would you go for the publicity or lose yourself? Well, I guess it, you know, part of my argument about New York is that you could lose yourself. I think it comes down to uh are you invulnerable? Can no one hurt you? Because then you might just go without the mask. Yeah. Someone could hurt me emotionally. Well, yeah, yeah you so know, they go after, family. They go after your Mary Jane or your uh Gwen Stacy, Lois, Lois, Lois Lane. Lane. Well, yeah. well, I or guess Linda Park or But well, huh? Oh. The I guess Flash's the uh, wife. The, Not Rosa Parks. Park. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, we're not going that's, to. That's okay. No, um, but no, I guess really you think about the people who are famous are always trying to get away. Oh, leave me alone. Quit following me. So I guess you mm-hmm. would. Would you Spears? Yeah. Well, I guess you would end up probably. Would you wear panties? Yes. <laughs> outside, okay. of his, outside of the exactly, uniform. Exactly. I, would, I mean, I think the hardest part would be where do you go to get a costume? And, yeah. You know? Underwear on the inside or underwear on the outside? Um, well, again, if I was going to go with super speed, I'd probably want to look like a runner. So I would probably, um, go with like a one piece thing and then maybe like a cool stripe on the side. There you go. So I'm going to go with green, probably with like a yellow stripe or something like that. Cause you know, a lot of the speedsters ends up, end up with red. That's been kind of done. I think we need to see a green super well, speed guy. One of the things that I like about, uh, Astro City here, I'm going with the one of the things all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Astro City Speedster is called MPH. Yeah. Which they did and, a good job of coming up with I think he's from strange. Detroit, yeah, too. He he's from so Detroit. he's like from Motown. So he's like car man. Well, one of the, that's one of the things that strikes me about that book is that, you know, all the good names have been taken. But yeah. they came up with some really creative, oh, yeah, strange, absolutely. but are funky names. And mm-hmm. MPH that, is kind of cool. That really work, yeah. I haven't, I've only read, I think, the first arc of Astro City years ago. But, oh, pick it up again, man. There's some great stuff in Astro well, City. Matt just reviewed the latest issue, Beauty, mm-hmm. uh, for the site, and everybody just loves that. I'm going to have to pick that up. I wish I wish it would come out more often, more regular. Yeah. And one, one of the best episodes or issues of that was uh, the one that featured uh, Look Back, uh, a newspaper guy. And, and they do a really good job of anchoring the story in other things. This newspaper guy is retiring, and he's telling this story, I think, to a young reporter. And he's talking about covering uh, this fight. And it was the first appearance of the Honor Guard, which is their Mm -hmm. Justice League and Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And what's great about it is with this team assembled, these are people we've never heard of before. This is only like three issues in. Right. Um, But they got Maxo Millions, Mm. which is this guy I think that can grow. And I mean, they've got all of these weird 
named characters and they don't do a lot of explaining. You can, you can figure out what you want right. about them. Right. But uh, it's, it's just, I think that's a well, and, and that's Mark Wade too, isn't it? No, that's a Kurt, Kurt oh, Busick. Kurt right. Busick, yeah. Yeah. My uh, costume, Doc Savage. Khaki pants, khaki mm. shirt. T- kind of torn, open, torn open, and open. Yeah. yeah. A mask? That, no. Doc you're, Savage you're, never wears a mask. You're invulnerable, right? I'm invulnerable, so no one's going to be able to hurt me anyway. Yeah. So why do I care? Yeah. Go ahead. Come at me. Come on. Bring me your guns, your 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 knives. You're not going to hurt me. Well, see, I'm super, Except emotionally, ladies. <laughs> I'm mm. super strong, so I'm wearing the spandex. They look like shorts, but then they go oh, up yeah, yeah, over yeah. the top, and I've got the curly mustache <laughs> and the bald head. <laughs> and, you're, and you're the pugilist. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your name? The pugilist? That'd be great. And would, and, and you have the, the little uh, uh, weights, you know, the big round yeah, dumbbell yeah, yeah. on the end that you raise above your head. Oh, and, and, and for fancy times, I got my straw hat. And, and you got the, do, you, do you talk oldie timey? Yeah, why not? You get, do you get to crimes by riding a bicycle with a gigantic <laughs> <Huge> wheel? wheel. <laughs> oh, we've had too much soda and I think we should end this episode. Yeah, I'm crashing. Yep. So don't forget, everyone, head over to the Major Spoilers website. Uh, you uh, can check us out, Majorspoilers.com. Please tell all your friends. If you have a question or comment, you can contact us at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And please get involved in the Major Spoilers forum. You can find a link to the front page at uh, Majorspoilers.com. And we will see you next time. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care less if they bring back Craven. And I don't care if Spider-Man's a clone.